Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having how much sufficiency? All sufficiency in how many things? In all things may have an, what's that word? An abundance for every good work. Paul, what are you telling me here? He's saying that God will bless you when you are obedient to his call in your life in that area of financial support and stewardship. In today's message, Pastor David addresses Paul's words regarding financial stewardship, which can be applied today. Paul was certainly taking up a collection for the Jerusalem church, but Paul didn't want people to give out of unhealthy pressure. Instead of contributing out of a desire to please others or being coerced, Christians are to donate out of a cheerful heart that is longing to please God and see God's work continue. A sure principle the Bible teaches is that what we reap, we will sow. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, Financial Blessings. want to congratulate you. If you were here last week and you're here again this week, congratulations. We're glad that you're here. (laughs) I spoke pretty strongly, pretty directly about the whole area of Christian responsibility to our, our faithfulness in that ongoing and that consistent support, financial support, of, again, the, the ministry of the kingdom. Last week, I, I shared with you how Paul used both chapters 8 and chapter 9. Chapter 9 is where we're at tonight of Second Corinthians. Both of those chapters to bring home to the church there in Corinth and actually also to the modern church the responsibilities that you and I have as believers to, again, support the work of ministry and to be faithful in our stewardship, stewardship in every area of our life. And so for those of you that uh, were heard it last week and you're back again, my congratulations to you. Thanks for hanging in there. Tough on that. If tonight's your first time in this little section, well, that's where we're at. That's what we're talking about. We don't talk about money very often here until it comes along in the scriptures. We preach and teach the scriptures book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We're not avoiding those things. We just wait until the Lord brings the right timing. So I have to figure in the great sovereign plan of God that God brought you here tonight for that purpose. Amen? Amen. Yeah, some of you are really nervous, I can tell that. Okay. Well, listen, uh, we are in, as I said, 2 Corinthians, and we are in uh, chapter 9, and I invite you, if you would, to turn there as we look at uh, this section of the Scripture. 
Well, first of all, as we get into chapter 9, Paul actually has some words of praise for that congregation. And all the other things that we've seen him speaking to the church at Corinth, as you remember, if you've been with us for the long run, when we were in 1 Corinthians, man, there was a lot of stuff that they were messing up on, and that Paul continually had to bring correction after correction after correction. It seemed like chapter after chapter after chapter, verse after verse after verse, Paul was bringing this correction to them. Paul was bringing kind of a, not really a condemnation, but a real conviction to the fact that, man, you guys say you got a lot of stuff going on, but you really don't. You've got all these clicks going on. Your worship services are like totally bizarre. Somebody new coming in would think you're a bunch of crazies. So through all of that, and then we get to Second Corinthians. He has kind of toned it down quite a bit, but yet there's still some areas of correction. But primarily, 2 Corinthians is this book of encouragement. And here, once again, in chapter 9, we see this bit of encouragement. Praise to this congregation. Praise to them for their willingness to assist the needs of these other churches through their faithful donations of these financial gifts. So we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes these words beginning in verse 1. He says, Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness, your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Well, as Paul writes here, he says it's superfluous for me to write. That's a great word. When was the last time you used that word in a sentence, you know, just this past week? Well, Paul uses it here to again say, you know, it's, it's not really necessary even for me to go to and, and to write these things to you. But he says, concerning the ministry of the saints. He's simply stating that that church there in Corinth, they they knew about the offerings and the gifts that were being taken up for the saints back at the church in Jerusalem. Now, we've gone through this many times as we've gone through the book, not only 1 Corinthians, but also 2 Corinthians. Not only the persecution of the church there in Corinth, but also the fact of the great famine that was going on. So the church there was suffering greatly. The church all over was suffering, but in Jerusalem, it just seemed to be that double-down thing, not only the famine, but also the persecution. And Paul understands, I know that you understand that. I know that you understand that I've been collecting gifts from various churches all in this area to bring back to Jerusalem. So it's pretty well superfluous. It's not really necessary for me to tell you these things. He had shared with them the need about a year prior to this, and it communicated back and forth to them even one other time uh, that we don't have written here in between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. So though they knew it, there were still some areas that he needed to at least touch on, and that's where we're at this evening. Paul reminded them last year when he had first brought this to them, there seemed to be this desire to assist in the financial needs that had been shared with them when Paul came and spoke to the church there at Corinth about the great need in Jerusalem. It seemed as though the church itself says, yes, we, we want to help. 
and maybe even a multitude of different ones said, look, you know, I've got a business. I'd be willing to give a portion of my proceeds of my business. Or, hey, my, my wife and I, we've got some finances that are set aside. We can give that to that church. Or, hey, just like the, in the opening chapters of the book of Acts, we've got property we could sell. Maybe we could sell that property and give it. So there seemed to be within Corinth this great desire to help out these other churches. And that's what Paul is speaking on here. And though they stated that willingness a year ago, Paul now tells them that their willingness and the statements from a year ago has actually excited other churches. Because as Paul spoke to Corinth, and he found out they really want to help, so when I come back, we'll be collecting that offering. Well, he, as he travels along, he's telling these other churches, Wow, you ought, you ought to, man, I was just at Corinth. They are on fire. They really want to help. They really want to assist. And so other churches in the area, they got on the wagon or on, on board with them too and said, hey, yeah, we want to support. We want to help also. It stirred up the hearts of generosity. Paul says, I know your willingness. I boast of you. Your zeal has stirred up the majority. So in all the encouragement, that he gives toward him, Paul understands also that that commitment was made at least a year ago. How many of you here even tonight, within the last year, things have changed in your life? Can you imagine that? Well, wow, that was, that was last year I promised that. Things have really taken a turn for a worse in my business, or we had to sell that or do that, or things just aren't the same right now, Paul. And I believe that Paul understood that. A year can be a very long time in lives. Uh, a lot can happen in those 12 months. And so he writes to them here in verse 3, 4, and 5. Listen to what he says. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting to you should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready. Lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. So in other words, you'd made all that boasting. What happens if we come and you're not really prepared? We'll get into that a little bit more in a moment. Verse five, therefore, I thought it was necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time. I'm sending some guys ahead of me before, we make, before I get there to prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised that it might be ready as a matter of generosity, and I love this, and not as a grudging obligation. Grudging obligation. Okay, we don't see a show of hands. I don't want to see a show of hands. But how many of you have ever been put in a position of serving the Lord or his church as a grudging obligation? Oh, man, I don't want to take care of the nursery tonight, but they don't have anybody else, and I'm the only one available. Or, oh man, I don't really want to go out and work at the work day, but they say that they really need somebody, and so we go, all right, I don't want to serve in, in that group. Or, or do Every once in a while, we get in those situations. That's just the reality of life. But Paul is speaking here as far as this donation that you're giving. Man, don't make that a grudging obligation I don't want that to be bumming you out because a year ago you made a pledge 
and your life has changed and, and things have happened. I don't want it to be that way. He wanted to make certain that their zeal from a year ago hadn't been completely drained out by these situations of life. He also wanted to be certain that if the issue came up, that neither they nor, nor he would be embarrassed by any inability or change of heart that they might have. So in other words, man, the time came to make the collection. You know, last year when I was here, we looked and we thought, man, we could raise $2,000 or $4,000. So I'm here now. Let's make up the collection. $352.16. Quite a bit of difference. That's what Paul was warning them of. He says, look, I'm just giving you advance warning, and I want these guys to come. I want to see really what is able. He wanted to make certain that when the time came that they were going to be ready for it. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, when we're back in 1 Corinthians, he had told them actually to get the collection together before he had even come. He says, concerning that collection for the saints, this is 1 Corinthians 16 verse 1, concerning that collection for the saints, as I've given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside storing up as he may prosper, that there'd be no collections when I come. There's a lot there, and we went over it quite a bit when we were in 1 Corinthians 16. As he says, as you may prosper. You know, if I, if, if I made a, a promise or a pledge a year ago, and yet in the difference of that year and now, I haven't prospered or I've gone worse, then Paul is saying, as you may prosper. He says also that there be no collections when I come. Do that on the first of the week. Be ready. Be doing that through the year was, was Paul's encouragement to them. Man, when you come on that first day of the week, start laying some aside so that it's all done. It's all complete by the time I get there. I feel the biggest reason for that is so the body wouldn't feel any undue pressure to give. After all, the Apostle Paul is here today, and he's seeing the collection plate move around, and he's going to see who's putting in and who's not. I don't know what the case might be, but I believe, again, that intimidation of the fact that Paul was going to be there. He said, look, do, do all that before I come. I don't want to be a point of intimidation to anyone. That, To be honest with you, that's one of the reasons why we as a church, we by and large don't do love offerings while somebody is here visiting, you know, somebody from the outside, somebody that is not a part of our fellowship. They come in as a special speaker or a special presentation of some sort. We don't do a love offering. Hey, today we have so-and-so and we're going to take up a love offering for them. I hate doing that because I feel that it puts undue pressure on the body. Let's do that in advance. Hey, next week we're going to have so-and-so here. We're going to take up a collection today so that we can give to them. That's why many times our first Sunday offering, missions offering, it's done in advance of a missionary that's going to be on the next couple of weeks so that it doesn't become a twisting of the arm to do that. I want people to be compelled by God to give not because of a particular heart-rendering story or somebody standing before you and watching over you to see what you're going to give. We do special offerings. 
and I want to try and make it as clear as possible where those monies are going. I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit of God and not by some slick presentation or some heartbreaking plea from some ministry person. And believe me, there's a lot of heartbreaking pleas around the world. We could, we could bring stories and videos up to you guys every week and man, take another offering, take another offering, take another offering for this. No, we're not into that. I believe as God leads us, as God directs us, we'd never be able to cover everything that's needed in the world. Now, Paul didn't want the church at Corinth. He didn't simply, again, as I said, to be giving out of this emotional plea. He, you know, a slick salesman, a con artist, false teachers of the day, they've all mastered that approach. And Paul knew it even during that time that the false teachers were coming and they were collecting money from these churches left and right. And Paul warns against that in his other letters to the churches. Paul didn't want them to be pushed into that kind of a mold. Paul wanted to be certain that the gift that they were gonna give was still from the heart and not out of embarrassment or, as he says here, a grudging obligation. Listen, he didn't want to use a heavy-handed method. He didn't want to get to a point where in order to fulfill the commitment you made a year ago, we're going to twist your arm. I believe that he felt it's very important for them, though, to understand what a blessing it is to be a part of what the Lord is doing through the kingdom and through his church. I don't want to force you into giving, but I want you to know that when you give, what a blessing it is to be a part of what God is doing. I believe that's where Paul is going in all of this. Look what he says in verse six. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves, what? A cheerful giver. Now, let me ask you, whose words are these? In the long end of the thing, it's God's words. Paul's writing them, but it's God's words. Again, as the Holy Spirit directed Paul to write. As we look at this, we understand. He's saying, man, you need to understand. You sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, he also goes on in verse eight, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having How much sufficiency? All sufficiency in how many things? In all things may have an, what's that word? An abundance for every good work. Paul, what are you telling me here? He's saying that God will bless you when you are obedient to his call in your life in that area of financial support, and stewardship. 
As it's written, he is dispersed abroad, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now, I want to back up a little bit here. Look at verse 6. But this I say, those opening words, my new King James Version says, but this I say. But in essence, what Paul is saying, he says, hey, pay attention. What I'm about to say is of utmost importance. The NIV, the Holman Christian Bible, both of them agree when they, they translate it this way. They said, remember this. Remember this. The English Standard Version translated, the point is this. And then the New American Standard, he says, now this I say. And then he goes into speaking, if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. And on to that. Paul is about to share with them a pretty strong spiritual truth. He wants to make certain that they understood and that they received the word as an important word. This isn't just something passing that Paul is writing. No, he wants to get their attention into this. The principle of that whole statement that he makes about the sowing and the reaping, you and I need to understand that has far-reaching results. This isn't just a, a money situation. Guys, this is our life as believers. What we pour into our Christian walk is what we're going to reap out of it. If we sit back on our laurels and we say, well, God, here I am. Bless me in the midst of this. And we never take a step to be usable or used by the kingdom of God if we never invest our life into the kingdom of God, guess how much we won't reap in the midst of that. And that's what Paul is saying. Look, guys, this is important. You need to understand it. He uses this agricultural proverb, probably a proverb maybe of of the day. The one who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you're gonna reap bountifully. In essence, what he is saying, don't expect to get too much of a harvest if you're not willing to sow sufficient seed. Or don't expect too much of a harvest if you're not willing to do the work that is necessary to get that harvest. Now, beloved, we know we are not saved by our works, but we are called to workmanship in Christ. We are called as believers to invest our lives within the kingdom of God for the purposes of God. We cannot get around that. In agriculture, this simply makes good common sense. You want a good garden, you need to work at it. You want good results from that garden, you want to have good vegetables or whatever you're growing in there at the end, at the time of the harvest, then you better have put in a lot of time and effort prior to the harvest. My garden... Okay, here's true confession right now. Through the years, I've shared with you guys, we, we do a little raised bed gardening you know, in our backyard. My garden's dead right now. I'm getting absolutely nothing out of that garden. And you know why? I haven't put anything into it since early, early summertime. Just time-wise, focus-wise, Okay, desire-wise, there's a whole lot of reasons why. But because I haven't put anything into that garden, I'm not going to reap anything out of that garden. Where's your spiritual life, church? What are you reaping 
in the things of the Spirit in your life. If you're not putting into it, you're not going to reap out of it what God desires to give you. Thank you for listening to today's message from The Open Word. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 2 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us next time on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, or shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound, Bible-based teachings with you anytime, anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on About for more information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for here today on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 2 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a blessed day.